grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen. We read from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is God's truth, that we may have confidence in Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear students, uh, faculty, staff, and those who are online, what's the difference between someone being confident, someone being arrogant? I think we might think of an example. We have, about two weeks ago, we celebrated a very special event that happened in Martin Luther's life. It's been 500 years since he stood trial before the emperor and all the high officials of Europe. His accusers demanded that he retract his writings against the church. And Luther, and I'm not going to get into all the details of his reply, but he basically said, I cannot change what I have written. Here I stand. Now his enemies thought that this lowly monk was totally arrogant. How dare he go against 2,000 years of tradition and everything else that the church stood for? And you know, it would be true if Luther would have been spouting his own ideas. But Luther based everything that he wrote on the word of God, and he had been convinced of that by the Holy Spirit. It, it's interesting that if you ever want to do a wonderful study, study the life of Luther and the life of St. Paul. You'll find many similarities. You will also find that in our verses for today, I have as our theme, if God is for us, who could be against us? If God is for us, is that a question? Is he for us? No, it is not. There really, it means since God is for us, who could be against us? God is certainly not against us. The Bible makes it clear that he loves us, that he is committed to us and to our happiness. If there's anyone that people could depend on, it's God. But then people question, well, if this is such a loving God, then why does he allow problems in our life? We think of, again, the Apostle Paul, writing in the chapter before, Romans 7, and he's describing how he's got this sinful nature. It's a real problem. The good I want to do, I don't do. The, the evil I don't want to do, I keep doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this bondage? Not only that, but of course, uh, later in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, in about the middle of the chapter, he's going to describe suffering. And that people are suffering, not just in general, but they're suffering because they believe and they confess Christ as their Savior. And on top of that, you have the devil who's constantly accusing us, trying to make us uh, separate us from God, separate us from the means of grace that would keep our faith strong. 
And the problem with that is, if you don't have faith in Christ, you're not connected to him. God is not for you. And if God is not for you, there is no help for you in this whole world. There is no person who can help you. Now, some say, well, wait, God is love. He's even love without Christ. Yes, he is love. But how does he extend that love? Some would say, well, it's in how he answers my prayers. Well, what happens then when he says no? When you pray for healing, when you pray for some other problem that you have and it doesn't go away, when you pray, Lord, help my relationship with this person and it just bombs, does that mean he doesn't love you? Now, Paul makes it clear. You know God's love best in what he did in sending his son. Again, we read in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Jesus makes the entire difference because he died to take away our sins. We can receive God's love. Our sins were blocking that. They were keeping it from him. His justice demanded payment for those sins. Jesus made that payment so that now there is nothing that separates us. There are no accusations that can be made, whether by our conscience or anyone else we know or even the devil. Because God is the final judge. And if he says you are innocent in Christ, you are innocent. And even you can't say anything about it. Our future life in heaven is guaranteed in Christ. Believe it. Probably a week from now, you will have forgotten pretty much everything I've said. Because that's just in my nature and yours. I will have forgotten most of what I said, probably, by next week. But here's something I want you to remember for the rest of your life. Whenever you have a concern, go to Romans chapter 8. Because this is one of the most faith-building chapters in the Bible. Remember earlier how I said Paul was struggling with his sinful nature? And how it was always condemning him and he felt so wretched? Well, let's go on from chapter 7 to the very first verse of chapter 8 where he says, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, Christ Jesus took away our sins by his sacrifice. He has provided us with his perfection, his holy life. By faith in him, God now sees us as perfect. What do you accuse when somebody's perfect? There is no condemnation. Move on to a few verses later in chapter 8, right? You're going to remember that, Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, we're not talking about sons and daughters. We are talking about the legal inheritors. And what are you going to inherit? Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. You will inherit eternal life. You are heirs of heaven. Verse 18, 
chapter 8, describes our sufferings at the present time. Paul says they are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So think of yourself in the science department, you've got one of those balance scales, and on one side you've got all the sufferings you've ever had in your whole life. And by the time you're done in life, that's probably a lot of suffering. And on this side you have the glory that God's going to reveal for you when you're in heaven. (laughs) Sufferings are going to be light, momentary, compared to the glory that you will receive. So, be confident in God, even in suffering. Also, Paul assures us to be confident in prayer. Verse 26. We do not know what we should pray for, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Let's face it, in most of the things that we pray for, you know, should we do this? Should we move here? What degree should I? I mean, whatever it is. God doesn't directly tell us in the Bible what we're supposed to do. But here's the thing. As we pray confidently in faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to intercede. He's going to make the words fit into the very plan that God has for you so that as you pray, God will accomplish good for you. A couple of verses later, verse 28, familiar verse. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Wow, everything working for good? That's what he says. In the next verses, Paul describes how God knew us before creation and that he called us to be in Christ and that by his power, he is going to keep us in that faith until the end. Now that's where we can insert our two verses. If God is for us, oh, by the way, it says, what then shall we say to these things? Now you know what these things are. I just read them all to you, and there's a lot more in that chapter I didn't get to. That's what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us, and how his love is so great that he sent his son for us. And so Paul says at the end of this chapter, despite the devil, despite problems in life, and all the other things that are trying to stand against you, he concludes in verses 38 and 39, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am sure to the world, if they were listening to Paul, they'd say, are you crazy? You're saying to the world, bring it on. I don't care what you send against me. God is with me. His confidence was not based on himself. It wasn't arrogance. His confidence was based on the word of God and the completed work of Christ, his Savior. And we can be just as confident as Paul or as Martin Luther, as the Holy Spirit works faith in us in those same promises. 
You know, in the future, our country seems to be turning further and further away from God, and it's going to make it more difficult to live and to express our faith as Christians. That means the promises of Romans chapter 8 are going to be all the more important for you. Hearing God's word will accomplish his good purpose for us. We never want to be arrogant, just continuing to be in ourselves. We're doomed to fail. The, the littlest thing can blow us over just like it did with Peter and his denial of Jesus. But in God's truth, in Christ, we can confidently say, here I stand. God help me. Amen. Let us pray. Please stand. Loving Father in heaven, you proved your love for us by sending your son to be our savior. How can we thank you for his sacrifice and resurrection from death, which assure us of eternal life with you? As people in our world turn away from you, give us confidence that you are for us to protect us and to bring us safely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue with the hymn. the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.